Welcome to Real Health, Real People. I'm Heather Crawford. And I'm Sarah Frappier. And we're here to talk about real health for real people. Is it over? All right. So we have these new pop filters. So I don't know if it's filtering out our p in our sounds. Because we like to talk about the three P's. P -p -p yeah. Three P's. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting high tech up in here, y'all. We've got like, pop filters. My mouth. Like, my, I don't think you have to lick it. Okay. She's just super up close and personal with her new pop. I'm really glad I got two. <laughs> because I don't know that I'd want to share one with you at this point. She's getting very intimate with her pop filter. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Let's just Are we good on our gain? Is that am I using that term correctly? Sure. <clears throat> Who knows? I think that but looks better, right? Anyway, this is Real Health Real People. I am Heather. And I'm Sarah. Ooh, you got to say this in your name. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait to listen back. I know. Well, what if they don't work? We better not emphasize too much <laughs> because true. if they don't work, then whatever. Well, that's okay. My Amazon purchase will, it wasn't that much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like I'm buying $50 pop filters here. Let's be real. We're on a budget, people. Right. We're on a strict budget. Definitely budgeting. <sighs> but anyway. Jinx. We have a fun topic for you guys today. We do. I love this topic. Who likes getting in a nice sauna mm. or steam room? Oh my gosh, me. After you've had a workout or even just in general. Yeah. Just going to like sit and relax. I love it. Take a load off. So when we were little, my brother and I, our family was a member of this club that had a pool and a sauna and all this stuff. So there would be like, you know, older people in the sauna, like genuinely trying to relax and my brother and I would always run in there and like throw a bunch of water on the coals so the steam would just like billow up and then run back out. <laughs> so we'd get in there, get real hot, and then go jump in the cold pool and go back and forth and back and forth. You know those old people were uh, hating us. They were like these kids. Right. I thought so those funny. things had age limits. Well, it was like this private club that didn't oh. really, yeah. Okay. They, they weren't paying really attention. Care. No. <laughs> you could have sued them. <laughs> right. you pass out and that thing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so we're talking about steam rooms and saunas because a lot of people claim they do all kinds of great things right. for you. Anywhere from, obviously, the relaxation piece. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Relaxing. But people also say... It's good for your skin, mm -hmm. that it's good to detox. Yes. That's a big one, especially now, is the whole detoxing yeah. thing. Like detox, detoxing from heavy metals. Yes. Um, well, even like um, reducing high blood pressure, helping with muscle, muscle spasms. Yeah. Um, seasonal affective disorder. Mm. I know. And um, obviously reducing stress with that relaxation. Yeah. Well, I, at first, I didn't know the exact differences between a steam room and a sauna, so I kind of was looking at that. And so the difference mainly is a sauna is usually dry heat, mm. and a steam room is wet heat. So maybe we were going in the steam room when we were little. Well, no, because so saunas, they run hotter than steam rooms, and they're set between 160 and 200 degrees. Now, they do have rocks 
where you can put some water on to put some moisture into the air. But their humidity levels are typically only 5 to 30%. Whereas steam rooms, they only top out at 110 to 120 degrees, but it's 100% humidity. Mm. So you know if you're in a sauna because they're built of wood. Because... Anything metal or towel, it would be too hot. It would, like, sear you if you sat on it, especially if you're in there all, like, naked as a baby. Naked as a baby. (laughs) And so... That was my cheeks burning noise, but you probably can't hear it with our new pop filter. (laughs) Like bacon. Just kidding. And um, plus the wood absorbs the moisture, keeping the humidity out of the air, whereas steam rooms are the ones surfaced with non-porous materials like tile, and they can get wet without causing any problems, and... They can also be um, used with sloped ceilings so the water runs down the walls and it keeps the humidity really, really high. Okay. So I've never been in a steam room. That's cool. Yeah. But steam rooms are very popular. Um, People can have them in their home. So I guess it's kind of like if you take a really, 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 really hot shower in a tiled shower, Mm -hmm. kind of creating your own little steam room. Yeah. Well, I definitely do that. It's kind of the same steam room effect, I would imagine. I really like super hot showers. I don't know if it would get up to 120 degrees. Well, probably but... <laughs> not. I hope not. I don't know. That seems dangerous. That means boiling lava hot In if you were putting... On your skin. Yeah, that temperature water. But yeah, so that's mainly the difference between a sauna versus a steam room, which I found interesting because I wasn't sure yeah. of those particular facts. Well, there I read um, some interesting facts about like Scandinavia and Finland. So in those places, it's like a very um, social thing to do. It's not you know as social here in America, but they have things called sweat lodges where mm. people gather together to socialize and perspire together. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, who knows? And perspire together. But it's it's very common. And even, like, it, it said one in four households in Finland has a sauna. And they have, like, part, like family gatherings and, like, friends over to enjoy the sauna together. Enjoy a nice sauna. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go for a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> let's go for a sweat. Yeah, so they do share some ther- therapeutic benefits. A lot of them... You know, tout the same therapeutic benefits with reducing muscle tension, relaxation, general well-being. But some of them, like steam rooms, may be better for people with allergies or congestion mm-hmm. in the chest or sinuses because it kind of clears up yeah. your sinus passages. Whereas if you were in the dry heat of a sauna, if you had something like maybe asthma, the dry heat right, would, would be bad for... It would irritate it. Yeah, it would irritate you. So when my son was little, he was sick constantly and he had asthma and just always upper respiratory. And so the doctor always told us to run the shower as hot as we could and close the door and just sit in there. Yeah. And let him breathe in. Yeah, if kids have like croup, cough and stuff that it... And that's actually one of the studies that I was reading was um, dealing with asthma and croup. So it's cool. So what did this study say? I don't know. Let me find it. I know, but I highlighted that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in, in 1888, and I feel like this is a um, misprint because I don't think they were doing articles in 1888. Sure they were. Scientific mm-hmm. like, journals? Oh. Yeah. Well, I learned something then. <laughs> anyway, it was titled The Value of Inhalations in the Treatment of Lung Disease. And it was in the British Medical Journal. 
And it stated that inhalation of steam was beneficial in treating acute bronchitis, laryngitis, and croup. Uh Uh-huh. So, that was cool. And I had no idea that there was, like, science in 1888. Yeah, science is a recent thing, only in the past 100 years. Just kidding. Pretty sure science is as old as time. No, I know it's always been. (laughs) 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 Medical journals... Seem like not so old. I don't know. Yeah, they date way back, way back in the day. <laughs> so, some claims are actually pretty lofty, and I have read some studies. One that was actually posted recently in April 2015. See, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Science journals existed since last year. Um, no, this was in the Journal of Internal Medicine where they were investigating the association of frequency and duration of sauna bathing with the risk of sudden cardiac death because some people say that, you know, it's bad for your heart if right. you sit in too high of heat for long. So they looked at sudden cardiac death, fatal coronary heart disease, and fatal cardiovascular disease. Um, and they looked at men from eastern Finland, again, where they're right. really, really popular. Mm-hmm. And they had um, 601 participants that said sat in a session for one time per week, 1,513 who sat for two to three times per week, and then 201 who sat in four to seven times per week. And so these were just kind of these people's everyday or every, their right, frequ- their the regular, routines. Their regular yeah. routines. And they actually found that at the end of it, that increased frequency of sauna bathing is actually associated with a reduced risk. Yes of sudden cardiac death, fatal coronary heart disease, or fatal fatal cardiovascular disease. So while some people say, oh, it can't be good for you Mm -hmm. to be sitting in these saunas when you have heart conditions, actually, it's linked to reduced risk for all of these things. Right, which is, that's pretty crazy because you see warnings, like there's always those little warning signs. I know there's one that came like with my hot tub that was like, if you are on any heart medication, like, mm-hmm. don't use this. But this is saying the opposite. Yeah, I was looking at this same study, which is awesome because they followed them for 20 years. Yeah. So it's like a big study. So it was, I mean, and obviously there was over 2,000-some participants. Yep. So, I mean, it was an extensive, lengthy um, epidemiological study. And they did say that they wanted more studies to establish what the mechanism was that actually linked the sauna bathing to the cardiovascular health. Like, what is it right. actually affecting in the body that's creating this de- decreased risk? Um, and then another doctor, Thomas H. Lee, a cardiologist at Harvard, which is affiliated with Brigham and Women's um, Hospital, said that the cardiovascular effects of sauna have been well documented in the past. It lowers blood pressure, and there's every reason to believe that its effects are good for blood vessels. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. He I published that. that in a Harvard Heart Letter. Um, I have another mm-hmm. study in the Journal of American College of Cardiology from October of 2001, where they looked at it as a thermal vasodilation therapy, which improves endothelial function in patients with cardio risk factors. And they used an infrared dry sauna system, again, for sauna therapy. And it showed that it repeated sauna treatment improved impaired vascular endothelial function 
and they suggest it as a therapeutic role in patients with risk of arteriosclerosis. So they actually are saying that this could be a good treatment for people with risk factors Mm -hmm. to hopefully improve their vasodilation. Nice. I know. And I actually, I found one more too. I actually found quite a few on cardiovascular. This one on um, chronic heart failure in, um, this was a smaller study, six men and three women. And they said that um, sauna bathing under moderate and supervised conditions appears to be well tolerated and safe for people with chronic heart failure. Very nice. So again, contrary to what people's right. just general conception is, if I have heart problems, I shouldn't sit in this sauna. When mm-hmm. in actuality, you may actually be really helping. And most of those studies that I refer to were all on um, sauna bathing. So right. in the dry heat rather than the wet heat of a steam room. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. those were sauna specific. Well, and I found a study on the wet heat, and it's also old. It's so weird. I don't know where I was getting. You my... found all the the olden yeah, days. Yeah. So this one's from 1991. Oh, that's not that old. That what is the heck? So old. Hey, hey, listen, lady. <laughs> that's in our lifetimes. Let's careful. <laughs> were we born yet? <laughs> of course not. We're super young. Anyway, it was in the American Journal of Public Health, and it cited 16 articles about the effects of the sauna. Um, but it was talking about... Oh, now I'm confused on sauna versus steam room. Which one is what? Sauna is the dry heat, okay. and steam room is the wet heat. So this one, um, multiple tests conducted in England, India, Israel, and the U.S. on the efficacy of steam um, inhalation. So that's when you're in the steam room. Humidify, heat humidified air. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a steam room, I guess. You know, right. Use yeah, it's the same a lot. concept. Right. But it showed relief from nasal symptoms. Um, British doctors from the Harvard Hospital in Salisbury subjected 87 patients with acute nasal and upper respiratory symptoms to humidified air at 110 degrees <clears throat> Fahrenheit for 20 <laughs> minutes at two-hour intervals. And the result of the test was that inhaling hot humidified air or steam could relieve the common cold. Nice. Yes. You sounded very professor-like when you went, <clears throat> like, <clears throat> like you were trying to get the class's attention. Well, <laughs> when we were doing Ask a Health Coach on Wednesday, I had this same little frog in my throat. Just leaping around. It's just sitting there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I need to inhale some hot humidifier. Yes, you need to sit next to a humidifier. I yes. actually have one right over yeah, there. I've got one at home, too. I have a small humidifier that I use, especially in the winter, if I'm feeling yes, dry in my throat area. Maybe I should build a steam room in my house. Let's do it. We'll tile a room and just fill it with steam. Let's do it. And just sit in 100% humidity. We use the humidifier a lot because when we run our heat all winter long, like the air is just so Mm -hmm. dry. I feel like I can't breathe through my nose. Which is funny because you would think sitting in 100% humidity, because that's where they try to get the steam rooms is 100% humidity, you would think that it would be harder to breathe. That's what I would think. But in actuality, it like... Easier. opens you up it opens up your bronchial tubes so the next time it's super humid out here in the summer i'm not going to complain i'll be like oh i'm breathing so easy this and is this good for my humid, ha- humid good air. for my pulmonary system i'm also petting your cat right now oh she all up in your business <laughs> she's like hey, i know well i stole her seat i came in to sit she was so mad in my chair for the podcast recording and i had to move her and oh my god heavens forbid she got the i disturbed the princess from this cat now she's just rubbing her head all over Heather's chair. <laughs> Being a weirdo. 
Well, speaking of sweat, we're personal trainers and we think sweating is very beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I did find um, some stuff on how does sweating in a sauna compare with sweating during exercise. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Fortney is his name. I guess that's how you say it. Anyway, he says the sweating that happens in a sauna, steam room, or hot room yoga class is more profuse than typical exercise. And I'll attest to this because I do hot yoga and I feel like I'm just puddling, puddling sweat. And I can go for a run. It's a very different. It's not the same sweat. But anyway, exercise is beneficial because of the sweating that happens as a result of moving more vigorously But sauna therapy is beneficial after exercise to soothe and relax the muscles. So this is going back to um, the people in Finland. And it says, while most Finns visit a sauna at least once a week, only about half of Finnish men um, actually engage in physical exercise. So the Finnish researchers suggest that saunas may provide some cardiovascular conditioning as well because of the high temperatures. Because they're also um, relatively healthy. Um, The high temperatures can drive heart rates to levels often achieved by moderate-intensity physical exercise. So, um, Dr. Lee says, so is sitting in a sauna the equivalent of exercising? And he says, I don't know that I would substitute a sauna for exercise, but exercising and then taking a sauna seems like a very healthy routine. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that goes along with another study I saw in the Journal of Science in Medicine and Sport, published in August of 2007, where they looked at the effect of post-exercise sauna bathing on endurance competitive male runners. So they took um, six male distance runners who did three weeks of post-training sauna bathing, and they did it against um, where they did three weeks of control with no sauna bathing afterwards, and they compared the run times. And relative to the control weeks, sauna bathing increased run time to exhaustion by 32%. Nice which is an enhancement of about 1.9% in endurance time trial. And their plasma and red cell volumes increased by 7.1%. So the change in performance had high correlation with change in plasma value. So they think that it is a worthwhile enhancement of endurance because it increases the blood volume. So by increasing your blood volume, it would stand to reason you'd be able to have longer endurance when you're running because your heart's be able to pump a larger volume of... um, you know, plasma. So they actually found that it could improve even your athletic performance by taking sauna after exercise. So not only like relaxing the muscles and providing that nice relaxation, right? it can actually improve your athleticism. So if you're um, hearing this and you're like, ooh, where do I get in on a sauna? Um, There's a lot of gyms that have saunas. Like I know the YMCA's offer saunas in their gyms. And, um, but the article I was reading said, please look up sauna etiquette before you really? <laughs> go into the and sauna. And what is sauna etiquette? <laughs> well, like there are places where it's totally fine. Like a lot of high-end spas that have steam rooms or saunas like to just go and be naked. But you have to like check with each specific club. Yeah, I don't their, know that I'd walk into a YMCA sauna right. just in my birthday suit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you just walked into a sauna just all in the buff and everyone was sitting there With clothed towels. or towels? Yeah. Or... Now most of most of them did um, recommend towels, but there are a lot that just um, 
Say, come on in, all natural. Well, I would think, though, if they're public for just hygiene purposes, right? you wouldn't want to be sitting on a wooden bench where someone else had their <laughs> naked booty. I don't know if I... Well, just... I know the ones in Finland that are totally social clubs um, are clothing optional. They're <laughs> a little more free over there, though. <laughs> right? I feel like we're not quite caught up in terms of... No, I of... agree. But I, I'm just thinking, like you said, hygiene-wise, like, who's cleaning this sauna? Maybe you have to, you Is know, like you, between each like you spray down your gym equipment. <laughs> you spray down your sauna seat after you get out. Maybe we need to look um, up a study on, like, um, communicable diseases in saunas. Is there studies yeah. on that? <laughs> I didn't see any. <laughs> I didn't look, but <laughs> it kind of freaks me out. Oh, <laughs> uh, so a lot of these studies that I did saw that basically they're saying they're good for your coronary heart disease, good with chronic bronchitis and asthma, alleviating pain. Um, there's very few sudden deaths that occur in them. But the few and the some that, like, they were reported all had alcohol involved. Mm. So don't yep. drink yes. alcohol well, and, and get into a sauna or something. And there's always signs about that, too. You see, and obviously alcohol is going to raise your heart rate, your blood pressure. So then getting in the heat. When it thins your blood. Then, yes, exactly. So that was a thing that's definitely be avoided is if you're consuming alcohol. Yes. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Now, one of the more controversial, or should I say, I guess, maybe disputed claims is about detoxing. Yeah. Because that has become hugely Mm -hmm. popular nowadays. You know, everyone talks about how can we detox our bodies from all of these chemicals, heavy metals, everything that's in our... just our air, water, Air, water, I mean, everywhere. We're constantly exposed to these... Yes. ...chemicals, right? I love a good detox. So... They're becoming a very popular detox option. And I found experts and doctors on both sides of this argument, which I found to be very interesting. Because um, they all they all seem reputable. Right. Right? So you get into that thing where you're like, right, wow, right. okay, like what is really going on here? Um, and I have one, Dr. D. Anna Glasser, a professor of dermatology at St. Louis University. Um. She basically, she's the founding member of the International Hyperhidrosis Society. <laughs> Hyperhidrosis, I think I said that right. <laughs> Which is a medical group dedicated to the study and treatment of heavy sweating. So her whole life is like dedicated to heavy right, sweating. Right, right. And she said, in the big picture, sweat is only one function, function, which is to cool you down when you overheat. Sweating for the sake of sweating has no benefits and is not going to release a lot of toxins. She said that heavy sweating can actually impair your body's natural detoxification system. Hmm. The liver and kidneys, not the sweat glands, are the organs we count on to filter toxins from our body. If you don't drink enough water to compensate for a good sweat, dehydration could stress the kidneys and keep them from doing their job. Right. So she's strongly on the side of... Of no. Sweating, no. No. Does not detox. And then, right. and Donald Smith, who's another professor of environmental toxicology at UC Santa Cruz, says also almost all toxic metals in the body are excreted through urine or feces and only 1% are lost through sweat. In other words, you'll do far more detoxing in the bathroom than you could ever do in a sauna. Mm-hmm. So he says basically these sauna detox, because right, these right. Pay places, you could pay like 
thousands of dollars to go sit in these special detox saunas. And he basically, in one word, said they are baloney. Right. (laughs) And then one of the company's spokesmen, I won't name the company, but he said he heard he's heard these comments before. He said traditionalists may think it's goofy. He said, but we've sold thousands of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. was kind of his response. He's like, yeah, you yeah. say it's baloney. We have thousands of customers, yeah, that are saying otherwise. Well, and we know that the kidney and the liver, the kidneys and liver, they're what detoxify. And you and when you think of like doing a detox, you obviously think about being in the bathroom a lot. Mm-hmm. But I also definitely think, like, something's coming out in your sweat. You know, like, if you go for a long run and, like, you taste salty, like, you know your electrolytes are coming out, so wouldn't other things come out too? Yes. And so I did more digging. So in addition to these doctors that say, you know, no, they're on one side saying no. You have a lot of people, especially naturopaths. Right. And some other doctors that are saying, wait. You can lose toxins Mm -hmm. and heavy metals through your sweat. And there's one article in the Archives of Environmental Contamination Toxicology of August 2011 where they looked at monitoring and elimination of bioaccumulated toxins in blood, urine, and sweat. Mm. So they were looking at all three. Basically, they were saying toxic elements were found to differing degrees in each blood, urine, and sweat. Many toxic elements appear to be preferentially excreted through the sweat. Mm -hmm. And some toxic elements readily identified in the perspiration of some participants were not found in the serum. So basically they'd be found in the sweat, but they wouldn't be detected in the blood. So this study concluded sweat analysis should be considered as an additional method for monitoring bioaccumulation of toxic elements in humans. Basically saying... It can be detected in sweat on some of these toxins and not in the blood or the urine. So they're saying, let's pay attention to our sweat because we are sweating out these toxins. And another one in the Journal of Environmental Public Health in 2012 looked at arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury, which you hear those a lot, especially mercury because of all of the fish and bioaccumulation. Not so much lead anymore. Back in the 70s when our parents were painting our cribs. Yeah, lead lead paint. (laughs) It's probably a little more. (laughs) But definitely mercury is a huge one and cadmium. They did a systematic review where they basically reviewed 122 different records and archives and articles. And Mm -hmm. they were kind of getting like an overall picture. And they determined... That arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury may be excreted in appreciable quantities through the skin, and rates of excretion reported to match or even exceed urinary excretion in a 24-hour period. It's of particular interest should renal compromise limit urinary excretion of toxic elements. Hmm. So they were saying, yes, it's appreciably excreted through the skin. And they even looked at mercury levels normalizing with repeated saunas so they may high have high mercury levels and then after repeated sauna their internal mercury levels sweet you know stabilized so they actually reduce the amount of mercury so there's a study completely to the contrary saying wait a minute it's Um, funny how that happens a lot where you get some contradictory studies yeah and then this one was interesting too because it's about um by um, BPA, 
bisphenol A. You know, they Mm -hmm. hear about BPA in all of our, like, plastic bottles and everything. And this was in the Journal of Environmental Public Health in 2012. And that's, you hear it all the time, like, BPA-free, you know, water bottles, all that stuff. Yeah, everything's labeled that now. Yeah. They looked at BPA in the blood, urine, and sweat. And they found differing degrees in each of the blood, urine, and sweat but again, BPA was identified in sweat, even in some individuals with none detected in their serum or urine. So BPA monitoring through blood or urine testing may underestimate the total body burden of this potential toxin, and sweat analysis should be considered as a method for bioaccumulation monitoring of BPA in humans. And it is a potential method for elimination of BPA. Sweet. Yeah. That's good. So... You know, it's interesting because you, you know, a lot of people you can, it's like if you look for what you want to see. Right. So, I mean, I found equal professionals on either side of the argument. Right. So you really have to pay attention to also who's making the claim. Right. And what journals are they published in? Mm -hmm. Really look at the research. Now, not everyone's going to be looking at the research too. It's like, was this study done in three participants was it done in hundreds of participants so you really have to pay attention to the quality of the research but the ones that i found supporting were actually pretty pretty solid sweet but then you have these other experts right so i don't know we just present what we find ladies and gentlemen (laughs) well and you know we always say too like if it's not posing a potential health risk and you're feeling the benefits then go for it but does it does it have any potential health risk? I mean, not I that guess, I found like, the length of time. Like you have to pay attention to the yeah. required use. Yeah, I don't know that I'd go sit in there for you know five hours right, or right. something. And um, most saunas and steam rooms, they do have posted like guidelines. Like you know, you you should be in here for ten minutes or fifteen minutes. And yeah, the contraindications to sauna bathing. That if you have unstable angina pectoris, recent myocardial infarction, which is basically a heart attack, or severe aortic stenosis, mm-hmm. then you should avoid sauna bathing. So those are basically okay. like if you had like just had a heart attack, right? you don't want to go sit. Or if you yeah, have yeah. unstable heart rhythms or something like that. Right, but right. even if you have like a stable angina pectoris or an old myocardial infarction, it didn't give me a Every time you say that, I hear the word fart. Infarction. <laughs> are you 12 (laughs) heather's 12 Uh, well speaking of 12 year olds you know most um like she said when i was telling my story like most do have posted signs like children shouldn't be in there but i don't know if that's really maybe it's more for the adults relaxation like it yeah i feel like it's just for yeah that because i don't know why it would harm children unless we want them to begin at less just because they're hot. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen anything on the dangers. I didn't, so. in any of the research I read about the saunas or steam rooms, it didn't say anything about age. Right. There so. was no, like, you shouldn't sit in here if you're young. I even saw some that it's safe um, safe for women that are in a healthy and stable pregnancy. Right. Well, and like I said, we, we used a steam room. I mean, it was our bathroom, but we used it for an infant. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. I think the main thing, especially if you're, you know, that I could just think off the top of my head, if you're older or pregnant or whatever, you just really want to pay attention to your hydration levels. Yeah, for sure. And just make sure you're hydrating. 
if you're going to be sitting for long times in this heat. Right. Well, and, you know, talk to your doctor. You always want to listen to what your doctor is saying. Yeah. If you're pregnant. Or old, I guess. <laughs> Older. Older. Mature. We'll just say if you're mature. <laughs> Although I don't know that counts because I'm apparently getting older, but I don't know that I'm getting more mature. <laughs> I'm definitely not. <laughs> no, you just thought I said fart. <laughs> well, this was a fun one. I think um, now I want to go get in the steam room. I know. From everything I found, there are a lot of proven potential benefits for our cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. Exercise performance. Well, I will say, I go to a yoga class in a hot room every Wednesday, and I sweat so much. And, you know, the the yoga instructor is, she's telling us, you know, this is, we're detoxing, and Mm -hmm. she's telling you all the ways that, like, you're detoxing your body. And now I'm like, ooh, maybe I am. Yeah, from the scientific studies that I found, there are, it is proven and shown that you do excrete um, certain toxic chemicals through awesome. your skin which means it's leaving your body it also means i need to wash my yoga mat <laughs> um yeah i mean i wipe it down every class but i feel like i need to like scrub it like, now <laughs> really get it up out of there yeah get up out of those toxic chemicals but it's yeah. getting hot in here so hot i am getting so hot i'm gonna take my clothes off just kidding. <laughs> Are you? Are you? We're going to go have a um, group sweat. Yeah, yeah. Let's, go, let's invite some friends over and steam up the bathroom. <laughs> that just sounds so bad. Like, I know it's the same principle, but it just seems so much creepier to be like, come over to my house and we'll turn my bathroom into right? a steam room versus going to an actual... <laughs> actual steam room well it's so funny too like i have a hot tub at my house and we'll all get in it when it's turned on and it feels totally normal but it's on a timer and so it turns off and then you're all just kind of sitting you're just in a bath in a bath together (laughs) i'm like this is weird let's get out the importance of the bubbles is significant and you don't realize it until the bubbles are gone until they stop and then it's real weird oh my gosh and on that creepy note (laughs) we're gonna say goodbye goodbye we should have been funnier